Hello and welcome to another episode of She Is Wise and today we are lucky enough to have the fabulous Candice with us to share some of her wonderful wisdom, her expertise and her view on life and as always I'm going to hand straight over to her so she can introduce herself and um, tell anyone listening how wonderful and what she's been up to. Well ladies I'm just excited to be here. We were having a little pre-chat and um, express that so thank you so much for having me on as your guest today. Um, Yeah so I'm from Canada so it's chilly up here today, but I'm a mom first and foremost. I'm also a podcaster. I do work online, which allows me the freedom to be really present for my children, which was a huge deal for me. I welcomed a brand new baby boy at a time of recording here about five weeks ago. So we are definitely, you know, looking at the new edition. Um, I also spend part-time in a tiny home. And um, so living smaller uh, is certainly a part of the bigger mission for me. Um, and I'm really, really excited to be talking about what we're going to be talking about today because we, like I said, we had a great pre-call. And so I'm excited to let your listeners in on, on how excited we are to share space. I know it was, a, I mean, I remember that pre-call conversation and we just kind of didn't stop talking. So I'm so excited. So mm-hmm. in terms of what we're going to talk about today, we sort of kind of fleshed it out and we've said, we'll see where it goes because I, I have a feeling it could go anywhere, but we're going to start off with a little bit of a conversation about authenticity. And this is something that's really really important to me and I know it is to Erin as well because we certainly believe that for women to be able to show up authentically to be their most authentic self can actually be quite difficult sometimes and a lot of that is to do with the way that we're conditioned the way that we're brought up the way that we're told that we have to be um, well behaved small and all of those things and actually being able to speak your truth can sometimes go against that a little bit because we don't always necessarily agree with what everyone else is saying so for me certainly on my journey learning to not worry so much about what other people thought was a huge part of being able to kind of stand in my truth and show up more authentically and I just wondered what was the big thing for you in terms of your journey to being you know your most awesome self. I think realizing that, you know, I was so afraid to share parts of myself and certainly parts of my story, you know, which isn't always happy endings <laughs> in the stories, was that I was worried about what people were going to say uh, about and to me. And some of the things had a lot of shame wrapped up around them. And to be honest, uh, as I've started to share my story, I've discovered that most of the time people um, relate in some way, shape or form. Do we find similarities in our story? Um, if not, certainly compassion. And I think, you know, the only one who was actually being mean to me was me, that it probably would have brought a lot more peace into my life if I had <laughs> told the truth about my life to more people sooner. Um, I think it would have really normalized it for me and perhaps sped up the healing, to be completely honest. And I think you're right. We don't really um, see the world as safe. And certainly there are some trolls and stuff like that out there. But then are those people also dealing with something? And so therefore projecting? This has become something that I have really been wondering uh, lately, especially, like I said, as I've been sharing my story, that a lot of the negativity I thought was going to show up. No, the only person who was hard on me was me. Uh, not the other people around has been the case for my sake, at least. Yeah. And I think you're so right in that we are our own worst enemies most of the time. And I sort of have this thing where I, you know, have this conversation with my own brain sometimes where I'm like, hey, dude, you're meant to be on my side. Can we quit with all this like negative shit? Because it isn't helping anyone. But at the same time, it's taken me a really long time to be able to identify that just because I'm having the thought, it doesn't mean it's the reality. So actually being able to like separate those two things out has been huge for me and it's taken a long time and I still have to work at it I think it's a daily practice where you kind of feel yourself slipping a little bit it's like no 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 this isn't helpful and I love that you mentioned the shame hey I love shame shame is such a shit Uh, shame and I are buddies yeah whoa we're like best mates (laughs) 
Well, let's welcome in shame. But I think that's the thing with shame. And I'm a huge fan of Brené Brown and the work that she's done on. I'm just started her new book, which is just amazing. Um, But that whole thing about shame likes to hide in dark corners and not be spoken about is so true. And I think you just summarized that perfectly with that whole like you are the person who was most worried about it and most shameful about it. Everybody else has just seen you with compassion, which is what everyone would do. Like, I just think, you know, if someone told me something that had been an awful experience or trauma, I'm not going to go, what a twat, you know, like it just wouldn't happen. And yet we kind of think in our minds that that's what people are going to say. It's so It's so weird that we kind of create these horrendous stories where we are just like this awful person in it. And the realization that actually that's not true is such a game changer. Yeah. One of the um, uh, interesting conversations I had with a gentleman who actually teaches women like self-defense, women but people, self-defense, largely because his attitude is you shouldn't end up in situations if you know like what might be coming that leads up to those situations. And I think that that's absolutely great. So he's all about communication and sort of this pre-knowledge. And one of the things he said was we have to learn, especially as victims, to hear some of these questions like, where were you? What was happening? What were you doing? I heard them originally as, you know, very accusatory. But in fact, it is the monkey brain of the other person who is asking the questions because they don't want it to happen to them or they don't want it to happen to somebody they know. And so they want to be able to tell the story and then give those other pieces of feedback. And once I started to reframe some of the questions. So again, I was the one interpreting the questions as, you know, not positive when really they were just other people uh, responding from a very, just a very raw place. Like, oh my goodness, what were you doing? And what was happening? They weren't accusatory. I don't think for the most part, I think I wish I could go back and talk to my 18 year old self, right. In some of these places, but when you're in that trauma response, I think we, the whole world doesn't feel safe. And so, you know, I'd like to reframe that for someone who might be listening that maybe that's a way for people to avoid, and it can be a way for you to help someone else not get into your situation. Yeah. And actually, interestingly, I was reading an article just this morning about um, various apps they're creating over in the UK around safer streets and being able to create these, you know, ways that women can keep themselves safe when they are out and about um you know which unfortunately the onus is still on on us to to do that but whilst that is the case that's that's what we have to do and it was just really interesting exactly what you were saying it was kind of like being able to take the information that has been shared and actually using it for good um but often it is very difficult because it does and there is so much wrapped up in you know the legalities of the way you know anything like this is treated you know there is such a it's a really difficult situation so it does not you know there is a lot of um, precedent about these questions coming in quite an accusatory manner but actually you're right if you can reframe the way that you're hearing them and this is where we have the power and I think we forget how powerful we are as individuals that we get to choose we actually get to choose how we hear things we can either listen through all the lenses len- I don't know what lenses are in ear, ear terms um, but you know what I mean <laughs> we, can, do. we can listen through the lenses yes if someone knows yes. the answer to that please tell me um, I think but focus. <laughs> Ah, oh, filters. Yeah, that one will do. See there we go. Erin is here and she's, as always, adding wonderful things to the conversation, which I'm, I'm going to invite her in on her opinion in a moment. Um, but it is, it's that whole thing. If we can start to like realize that we don't have to have the filters that we've been brought up with, that society has stuck on us then actually we can have choice and we can choose how we show up. Erin, what's coming up for you whilst you're listening to this? Because you know this is something I'm really passionate about, so I'm going to talk a lot. So you're going to have to make sure you jump in and quieten me. (laughs) Or I could just listen um, because that's good too. Uh, I think for me what came up in all of that was the concept of like not wanting to talk about it because we're holding shame around it. 
and like unpacking it for someone else serves them right that's their monkey brain coming forward and saying actually I want to understand but what if that was also the universe providing you with an opportunity to unpack it for yourself and to hear it and process it in a different way and I think that's something that we I don't know if we shut that down or if we just um, don't go into it with that level of consciousness around that stuff but you know like the opportunity, and I know, Ellie, you're a real audible processor, so speaking things out and speaking your truth um, enables you to process it and work through it. I think that's something that we shouldn't discount either, is that um, having someone else come forward and ask the uncomfortable questions. I mean, we pay people to do that, right? Like we pay coaches, therapists to do that stuff. And here we are, people are doing it for free and we're trying to shut it down. So I think, you know, being open to understanding that in some way, shape or form, that deep level of, of discomfort is actually serving us and helping us to do the unraveling and process. It's a game changer, I think, because it, it allows you to go into it with the energy of, you know, I don't have to feel shame around that because I'm still processing it and I'm not starting at that point. So yeah, that I, that's what came up for me when I was listening and I'm quite happy to continue listening. <laughs> I was going to say like, there's, there's some wisdom, like bam, yeah, <laughs> right, right there. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's that whole, you know, shame, like we said, it, it likes living in dark corners and nobody talking about it. And when you actually do start to shine light on it and you start to talk about it, I think what I've been really interested in talking about various parts of my story is that how much other people have experienced similar or even if they haven't experienced similar they have empathy and understanding you know it really is we do you know we we do understand but it also terrifies me how much you know misogyny how much sexual abuse how much rape how much abuse in general there is out there I just it makes me sick to my stomach how many people go through it and suffer in silence because the shame of talking about it, of sharing it is too much. And we have got to make conversations like this easier to have. We've got to, you know, there is no judgment. I mean, the only person who's done anything wrong in any of those situations is the instigator. Like there is the, the person who has experienced it. It's just, there is, they have done nothing wrong. And certainly for me, that was one of the biggest challenges I had was turning that, was realizing that actually in any situation that I had been left feeling like I was not worthy or I'd been put in a situation that really questioned who I was, that wasn't my fault. It was actually the person who did the behavior. And I think that's been something that's been a real eye-opener for me. Yeah, so, so a really interesting point, which I'm still working through in my brain, okay, but we can unpack it here maybe, is, so I was sharing this, uh, my story on another gentleman's podcast. There's two guys that were interviewing me and they asked a question that no woman ever asks me when I share my story. They asked, was the guy ever charged? And I was like, no, like it took me 20 years to start talking about it, right? Why we can't go back anymore. And then even if we did, it's a he said, she said, and the victim has to go through it relive it over and over and over again. And so I said, no, like that's never happened. We've just, you know, carried on. But women never ask me that question. It's like, they know, they know because it's just not going to happen. And, and justice so rarely happens, right? In a way that is really healing for the person who went through it. And then I was sharing with my partner, Mark, this morning about parts of the story and some of the podcasts I've been on. And he's like, question, did you guys ever charge this person? And I was like, oh my gosh, like, uh, it's interesting how, you know, the men's brain literally works entirely different. I was like, babe, no, it'd be he said, she said, like, I, there's no way I'm going there. Um, And it came up because of mutual 
friend of ours, their daughter was sexually assaulted a few weeks ago. And this has been the question. And I said, no, they've moved into healing because that is like, she's a victim. Like, anyway, it was a really interesting conversation. And I think that's part of that whole shame thing, because we know that even though we know what happened, there's all the gaslighting and the manipulation, like it's such a deep thing that we don't even think about that so often, right? Like, no, there's no justice here. No, there will never no. be justice. That's it, right? There is no justice to be had in that situation. Even if you did charge the instigator and, you know, the justice system in a broad sense goes through the process, right? Um, yeah, air quotes for those of you listening. <laughs> um, <laughs> there is no justice in that situation because nothing can be undone, right? And the only just thing that any woman who finds herself in that situation can do is actually turn inward and focus on her right not that external and I think that's the difference if we want to unpack that question a little bit the difference between the man uh, the masculine view and the feminine view is that the feminine understands and some men will be in that space of the feminine energy around it understands that turning inward and focusing all of your energy on the healing is the, the only way to actually make any positive from the situation and going into that masculine view of well it's all external and it was all it all has to be dealt with outside of ourselves that is why women have kept silent about it for generations that is why it's not happening more often it's just being talked about right like we know that generations of women have faced these same things and we just haven't talked about it and now we're starting to talk about it. Now we're starting to share with each other that, hey, me too, right? And I think that, yeah, that inward facing stuff is the difference between the two viewpoints of the masculine and the feminine and trying to seek some, like there is no justice to be had there. If the world was a just place, none of it would happen in the first place, right? And whatever caused them to be in a place where they feel that it's their right to do that to someone else, that needs to change. That's what I think. But I think, Ellie, you were going to jump in around that too. Yeah, no, I think... I I think you mentioned the hashtag me too. And then the one that just makes my blood boil and people who follow me will know this is the hashtag not all men. And well, I knew you were going to go there. Fuck. <laughs> I, I agree. I totally agree. And on that same podcast, this gentleman was talking about, you know, helping me reframe it because he helps women not get there. He was like, I tell my buddies all the time, listen, dude, no, maybe it's not all men. But if a woman knows that there are two poisonous Smarties in a gigantic bowl of Smarties, what do you think? Is she going to eat from the Smarties? She's not going to touch the Smarties because you never know which are the two bad ones <laughs> and I was like that's the guy that gets it and, and that's yeah. the thing and it's like how do we get more people to understand that and you know like we talk about it much more and you know there's a lot more conversation about it but there's still you know a lot of very very old-fashioned views in relatively young men around what's okay and that's boys will be boys and oh it's just you know men have a different approach to sex it's a physical thing I mean it's just such a load of old bullshit that has been peddled for far too long that like how do we change it and then you know you look at youngsters nowadays and the thing that you know I have two young daughters so it truly terrifies me is the fact that porn is so like so easy to get hold of and you've got these young boys watching this completely unrealistic you know 
videos of what sex is about just did some more air quotes there and about how you know that's what's done so like it's you know when I was growing up you know you might be able to get a VHS to watch a bit of you know sort of lightweight porn the boys could or they might have some magazines to share around now this stuff that is going that is so easy to get hold of and honestly I was talking and you know we'll have to make sure there's a rating on this one because I was talking to a friend of mine who's got young boys and she's been having conversations about you know the porn stuff she was talking to a doctor who was saying that the amount of serious injuries young girls are coming to serious anal injuries that young girls are coming to her about because that is what is seen as normal because that's what they're watching and I'm like what like fuck how do we stop this from happening <laughs> shit I've got daughters waiting ah! for one of us to drop that one <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I hear you. And I mean, I have a six and a half year old and I think I need to get off grid and as far away from people <laughs> like as possible. And and yeah, like the amount of violence, you know, that we see is or that they have the potential to see, it's astronomical and, and it's a problem. And I think now more than ever, we need to be having these conversations. And someone asked me the other day, they're like, well, what's your plan, right? So your daughter doesn't go through the same thing. And I'm like, to talk about it as hard as that is. And I mean, she's only six and a half. So, you know, now is not the appropriate time but at some point probably way sooner than I wish she would know I'm going to tell her the truth not to scare her but to make her aware because I certainly wasn't aware right I was really fortunate I grew up with a dad who had a ton of respect for me and my mom and created a safe space my grandpa and I often say that the only reason I was sexually assaulted by this young man was he didn't know my dad or my grandpa because any of the boys who did right like they were like yes sir no sir right I gotta have her home by 10 p.m that kind of thing and so once I got out of that you know safety space you know, that's when a lot of the challenges happened. There just wasn't the same values hadn't been instilled, you know? So for me, I think, well, it's going to be my job to open her eyes and to educate her and to speak very plainly in a way that empowers her to say, Hey, if you're not comfortable, if you end up in a space, if you don't know what's going on and Hey, this is what you may see and understand and know, and it's not right. And this is the options. I think that now as women, not only in conversations for, you know, people who have been victimized and who are not looking for healing, that there is an option for that. But also to empower women who are maybe hoping to avoid that, that I don't know that, you know, the young girls, I think we have to be talking about it so that they hear the stories in a way that says, I have been hurt. Here's what I wish I would have known. And here's how you move forward so that someone else doesn't end up where we did. So true. And I, and I love what you say about that. And this is how I moved forward, because I think that is absolutely, you know, the most important thing in all of this is actually, how do you move forward? How do you live with that truth? And, you know, certainly for me, I did a very good job of not thinking about it for Oh, good 10 11 years like literally like when you can talk about not you know learning new ways of thinking you can definitely do that and I have proof of that I was able to shut down thoughts for a really long time and so to be able to actually you know share with young women that things do happen and it is awful and we do whatever we can to make sure that doesn't happen but if they do then you can come through it because there are people who are willing to listen to support to help and to not be afraid to talk about it and I think that's it we have got to shine lights on it all we've got to be brave and it is scary and it's uncomfortable but we have to be brave about it and I for one am very grateful for you sharing your story um, because it, it helps the rest of us share a bit about what's going on with us and I would certainly money on you know the people friends I grew up with and people that I know I would say that every single one of us went through something that would be less than desirable that if you your daughter told you that had happened you would probably want to hunt the uh, instigator down and do some serious I definitely damage. would <laughs> 
Yes, yes, I would. But I, th- I think, you know, you know, one of the things I was not raised with, and I've, I've talked about this a lot, and maybe this is something Aaron can help us unpack, because I loved your insight on this is, you know, I didn't see my mother show me that righteous, I would call it holy anger that I think a lot of women are starting to embrace and hold, which is different than a rage or different than, you know, being mad. Like we're actually angry, right? We're angry for eons <laughs> and it's starting to show up, right? And that's been a an interesting thing that I've been talking to my daughter about because she has seen me get angry at some injustices and she has, you know, seen me sort of step in and sort of own that. And, you know, I've talked to her about it because I didn't see that sort of thing modeled in my beautiful grandmothers or my mother or my aunts or any of those things. Uh, They were passive, certainly passive aggressive in some circumstances. Um, I know that, you know, my great grandmother actually was hospitalized and nobody talks about why, but I sense it was a mental challenge. We didn't talk about that stuff. And I was like, well, of course she was like, she was burying stuff for so long. Of course this showed up. I just have to think about who she was and what she was dealing with at the time. And so I'm curious now, as we, you know, see these women ourselves, right? This holy anger, we're standing and we're saying, we don't have to fight about it. There'll be no justice, but here's the line, (laughs) right? Um, Thou shalt not pass. I want more of that and more girls to know that when you end up in this situation and you feel that rather than cower and pull back from it, that they rise up and go, who that do you think you are and back up and back it up right now, right? That, that space that changes conversations. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, and I was listening to some, a, a podcast yesterday, actually about like the reclamation of our right to be women in the world and it's really interesting because I think there are like generations and generations of women who have pushed it down but if you look at for me historically probably the 1960s is where everything started to shift and you know everybody goes 1960s okay free love and all that sort of stuff but no what I'm talking about is the 1960s where it was still perfectly acceptable to hospitalize women and treat them with electric shock therapy because they had postpartum depression it was still really normal to go like let's do the math on that people yeah right sorry to interrupt you but like that blows my mind I know right and for me I look at it and I'm like okay so that was happening as like my mom was 13 when the 60s ended right so I'm looking at it and I'm saying actually I think the level of progress that we've seen since then, the level of change or the impact that has happened since then for women, I don't think we would be able to stand here and have these kinds of conversations if our mothers hadn't actually made significant progress in a really underground kind of a way. Like they weren't out there fighting and saying like that righteous anger that we are are bringing to the surface I think lived within them and all of the messaging that we've had around, you know, girls can do anything and all of that stuff that started to rise as we started to go through those really formative sort of teen years and into our early adulthood, that stuff has come from our mothers. It's come from that anger rising within them and being passed to us and saying, we've done everything we can in our lifetime. You are so much better equipped to take it forward than us, right? And so if we can then take that and give that to our children and I'm the the mother of two sons 
And so what interested me when you were talking was that you were very much like, I'm going to talk to my daughter and I'm going to tell her how to be and how to take action to, you know, all of that stuff. And I'm like, I know you've got a five-week-old son. You, and I'm already talking to him. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, by the time he's five, he will be a gentleman. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But actually, sometimes we don't need them to be gentlemen. Sometimes we actually need them to take that righteous anger that we have and stand with it. Yes. And I know Ellie does this very, very well, like calling out the men in our lives, whether they are the ones that have been birthed by us or our partners or whoever, or whether they're the, the men that we live with, or whether they're the men that raised us, but calling them out and saying it is not enough anymore Thank you. to live in that space of saying, well, no boy would do any wrong by me because my father would absolutely annihilate him. I don't want my father to annihilate him. I want my father to educate him. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Right. I want my children, my sons to grow up being the kind of men who stand up for women and say, what you're doing is not okay. And for that to right? be the norm. And, yeah. For that, and for, like, for, them, for that, that to be, be the norm. norm. Yes. Oh, yeah. so good. So I think, yeah, like that anger that we hold, I, I really want to encourage you and me and, and Ellie and all the women to not just hold that anger, but to give it to men to work with too, because there are some really good men doing really good things in this space that women aren't listening to or don't know that they're there um, and that men aren't listening to because they're an island standing in amongst all of these other men who just don't want to hear it. But if they are standing there surrounded by women and there's this anger and this demanding of change, they can't ignore that. And we shouldn't let them ignore that. And by not stepping up and by not owning that and saying, actually, we are in the position of power now. We are in the position of power. To own that really demands that they change and that they create change in doing so. Yeah, I think you've just, yeah, you've summed it up beautifully there Erin I think you know and it's what we talk about at the start of this podcast men have to be part of the solution because to be brutally honest women have been trying to solve it for centuries and we are still going through the same shit you know women are still being assaulted they're still being abused they're still being like their power is being taken away by men who don't know any better and it's not good enough anymore that is not okay we are living in a world where there is so many ways to find out if you don't know what's a good way to be behave there are ways to find that out and there is a responsibility of every single person on this planet to do so because until we actively question until we start to believe that we can make change like we are just you know our children are going to go through the same thing and that is not okay that is not acceptable to me I worked in sport for many many years and it was great but the way you get ahead was by having a tinkly laugh and you know allowing the guys to you know slap you on the ass if they needed to or that sort of that you know slightly patronizing shoulder or the pushing you through it with the crook of you know hand on the back on your lower back just you know was that was the way you got things done that was the way you know it was okay to behave and now I'm like geez if that was what my daughter had to go through that's not okay I'm not accepting that that's the way that things have to be so yeah questioning everything that's that's my thing and I challenge and Erin alluded to it earlier I you know I do we have lots of friends lots of couples that we spend time with and I am the slightly bolshy one at dinner who's like but what if that isn't the way it is and what if that's not right <laughs> oh my goodness we could be so good friends 
<laughs> we're going yeah, to be. <laughs> I know. Well, this is the thing. Cause I mean, I actually have a, a friend right now and I've often said like been in my divorce, I wouldn't be dealing with a lot of the challenges I am with this person. If he had a man in his life who said, look, man up, right? Mother of your child, you got to talk to her. You got to deal with your stuff, right? You got to pay your bills, right? This kind of thing. And I've often said like, that would be so much easier if some man would step up and say, you know, or even like, you know, a woman who's not afraid to put him in his place. And so recently I had a friend who they're choosing to separate for a season and I know both of them very well. And I've held space for her to talk about it and offered, you know, and said, you know, I don't really care what you guys decide to do. That's between the two of you, but you need to get back into being grounded for you. You need to focus on what you want. You need to figure out what those are outside of what he's told you, right? This sort of thing. But anyway, her friend, her husband rather reached out and wanted to hang out. And I actually texted him back and I said, we can hang out. Sure. However, I have some stern words to say to you. So if you are comfortable hearing the truth from what I see, because I said, I'm going to be neutral. I love you both. However, I've told her what I actually think about what's going on. I will probably tell you. So if you're willing to hear that, we can hang. If not, I don't think I can keep my mouth shut. Wouldn't you know, we didn't hang out. <laughs> you know, and I respect that he doesn't want to hear it yet. But at the same time, I was going to say like, look, dude, <laughs> you're dropping the ball. That's why she's moving on. <laughs> so you want to get your, your wife back. Here's some things I would suggest you change. And it would start with talking to her or listening. It's not a powerful thing. <laughs> and it's like this whole conversation. What if we started listening a little bit more rather than just always having to be the ones who have to speak up? And, and what I think is really interesting in the whole thing that, you know, just focusing on the men need to be the solution again. It's kind of like, you know, patriarchy hasn't served them either. Like the fact that no. they're not taught to have emotions, that if you have emotions, you're a pussy or you're a weak or you're, you know, all of these things is so wrong on so many levels. I mean, we do a lot of you know discussion about feelings and you know naming emotions and all of that stuff in in our um, family I, I'm determined that my girls are going to be able to do that sort of stuff but at the same time a lot of that is educating my husband as well on actually like words to use words to describe emotions that it's okay to describe how you're feeling it's and it's okay to be angry and it's okay to be upset and it's okay to be sad or fearful or like all of these things because they are not taught how to express them so in many ways you know not that it's ever an excuse they there is an un I have an understanding of why things happen, but actually it can change. It can be different and it has to be different. And we have to, you know, anyone listening, if you hear people, you know, saying comments like boys will be boys or making accepting some, you know, bullshit excuse for behaviors, call them out on it or ask them, what if that wasn't true? What if that wasn't the reality? What if that's just what you've been told? What if for, for, you know, the last 20 generations, men have been told that this is what it is? What if that's not the case? And actually get them to question themselves because that's going to be the first step to making this different for our children and for our grandchildren and so on because it's not okay. It's not okay the way it is at the moment. <laughs> The only thing that I want to add around that is that what we're experiencing now as humanity, as a society, is the result of generations of trauma, right? And that trauma isn't owned by any one gender or race or any of that stuff, right? Like it is owned by every single person. There is no one in this world who is unaffected by the trauma of many, many generations before them. And I think we need to come at it, not just from a place of like really righteous, indignant rage almost or anger, um, but we also need to come from a place of compassion. Mm -hmm. And when we are making those things where we're saying like, you know, um, like you did with your, your friend's husband or your, your friend, 
for want of reframing that mm-hmm. and saying like, oh, you know, if we hang out, that's cool. And I'm totally cool to do that. But I will tell you how I see things. Doing that from a place of compassion and saying like, actually, I do still want to engage with you. I do still want to have a relationship with you that is independent of your relationship with my friend. However, you need to understand that I'm still going to show up the way that I have to and live in my truth, which is that I can't stay silent about the things that are wrong, right? And so I think just being really when we're approaching that, being really careful to make sure that there is always that compassionate viewpoint that, yes, we're going to call men on some of the shitty things that they do to each other, to, you know, to children, to, to women. But we're going to do that from a place of understanding and compassion that says, actually, we know you don't know any better. Like We know that society has told you that what you do is acceptable and sometimes expected. And we also know that if you knew the truth, the way that we know the truth, it wouldn't sit comfortably with you. So we just want to like, I guess, open their eyes, right? Rather than leading them to water and expecting them to drink, telling them like, we'll walk beside you until we find the water you want to drink. But know that if we get to the water that isn't okay for you to drink, we're going to tell you that and we're going to stop you from drinking it. Yeah, fierce compassion. Dr. Christine Neff has done a recent book about that and it's about that, like compassion is is brilliant and it's a bit, but actually it needs a fierceness to it now. It needs a, we're not actually standing for this anymore because you can be both. You can be fierce and you can be compassionate. And I think that is the, you know, one of the, the true strengths of women is that it's much easier to balance the two or it is as we're starting to step into our authenticity, we're able to grow that compassion, which we, you know, is generally very innate and very open with women but also that fierceness you know that anger that it's not okay is starting to be channeled in a way that is actually you know going to make changes and I think you know I've always said there's a reason that women were you know we were divided and we've been pitted against each other for generation after generation is because when we come together like change happens you know any man in the right mind would be terrified by us all coming together because you know we're not going to accept it anymore things are going to change but at the same time we want them to be part of it it's not about you know one being better than the other it's about let's find a balance let's find some harmony between you know men and women across the world let's actually create a space that everyone is equal and that we're able to walk side by side and no one needs to be you know above anybody else that would certainly be my dream we could talk probably for hours and hours i have absolutely no doubt at all the whole season of the podcast <laughs> exactly absolutely you, yeah. will you come back again because i i feel like we have literally like scratched the surface and i would love to <laughs> to go i was like it's time to go already <laughs> i know <laughs> But just, you know, some final words, Candice, what would your advice be to somebody who's been through, whether it's recent or 20 years ago, what would be your advice to somebody who's gone through a difficult time? Well, I think my favorite, you know, and we I've talked about a little bit on this thing is, you know, it's not about what's going on out there or, you know, that sort of thing. It's the real healing happens when you go inside. And so one of the key things that's been a game changer for me, because I haven't always been able to verbally express what I've been going through. You know, there's still parts of my story I'll probably never talk about because I just don't ever want to relive them by bringing it up. However, I did embrace pretty early on the habit of journaling. And 
so, you know, as I've learned to trust myself again and tell myself the truth of what happened, because I think when we take, you know, radical, it's not even like radical forgiveness, because forgiveness can have sort of a hierarchy energy to it, but like radical acceptance, it is what it is. It happened. That helped me move into solution. And once I move into solution, sort of out of the emotion of it, it's much easier for me to figure out what's next for me. And so regardless of where someone is, you know, in their journey, I think if they can be honest with themselves about what's going on, what they want, what they might want to change, where they might want to go and start journaling that out or telling themselves the truth of that. I think that's where real change happens because it shifts subtly and sometimes not so subtly our energy. And once you shift how you're showing up in the world, it's amazing how many conversations you don't have to have because your energy precedes you. And I would like more women as they're making the shift and maybe like me, they don't always know what to say or how to say to set new boundaries in their life for what they want and where they want to go. Just shift it inside first. Tell yourself the truth of what is, tell yourself the truth of what you want. And just that subtle shift will make a game changer in most people, most women's lives. I love that. Wise words indeed. Erin, have you got any last words to... No, like I no. said, I could just listen all day and I'm quite <laughs> happy to do so if we can schedule it in. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I just, I think for me, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm the mother of two boys and I'm so grateful that there are other women like you raising boys because I think the awareness that we go into it with around what needs to change in order for everyone to thrive and for everyone to be loved and cared for and um, treated with understanding and compassion, the more women we have like you raising boys, the more chance we have of meaningful change in the future. And so, yeah, I'm grateful for that. And I'm grateful that you made time to talk to us five weeks into that journey because... <laughs> Five weeks into that journey, I'm pretty confident I was just trying to sleep at every opportunity. So I'm really grateful for you taking the time and I really admire what you're doing in the world. And thank you for coming and sharing a little piece of that with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm so impressed that you're able to string a sentence together, let alone, you know, turn up so authentically and so wonderfully in this conversation yeah. because it's such an important one. So thank you. There will be show notes, which will have contact details and all of your wonderfulness that people can connect with you if they so wish and thank you it is such an important conversation thank you for being you thank you for sharing your story and thank you for being here today and listeners we will see you again soon